Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Bag of Tricks Cat, a rapper from Arizona. Curious about the name? Behind it is a sentimental story of how the rapper owes his deep love of music to his grandmother, Anne Bennett, who sang the Felix the Cat theme song in 1959. Although Bag of Tricks Cat has taken his music career in different directions, the love of music remains, and is currently firing the production of an LP called Cats Out of the Bag, which will feature his already released singles Never Sober and Dream Girl. The full album will be released in summer 2016. With Matt, Bag of Tricks Cat discusses his biggest influences, his writing process, and close collaborator, touring mate, and former guest, Megaran, who appeared on autographs in episode 22. He also chats about the video shoot for the Dream Girl single, and about how the new record will differ from his previous, The Cat That Never Came Down. And so, without any further pussyfooting, here's presenting Matt Storm and Bag of Tricks Cat. Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Um, I am happy to present my uh, interviewee for today, which is Bag of Tricks Cat, um, a.k.a. Felix, um, who I discovered through um, another rapper, Megaran, because you guys had gone on tour together, and you had um, also done some songs together. Um, so welcome to the show. How's it going, Matt? I'm doing really well. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, the first thing I really want to talk about and jump right in about is something I read actually in an article you shared recently about where your connection to Felix the Cat actually came from. So for sure. so I know which is, it's related to your grandmother having sang the theme song for it. Um, I want you to just, for our listeners, go into a little detail about that and how that kind of influenced, you know, where you went with rap and music in general and, and how, you know, how early did you know about that connection? Um, well, she, uh, she told me stories about her being a big band singer. Um, it was during, like, the Cole Porter era. Mm -hmm. uh, during the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, even even a bit into the 70s. And she um, she would tell me good things. She'd tell me bad things. Um, and growing up, I was always around it. I was always around these stories. She'd always sing. And then um, she uh, early on, I, I knew I wanted to do something in entertainment um, because of that. It wasn't necessarily, you know, I woke up. And like I was like, oh, I'm gonna rap. <laughs> it was, it was uh, slowly um, was something I got into. I, I started getting into hip hop uh, when I was about uh, nine years old. I uh, I wasn't initially writing raps. I was writing poems, and then as I got a little older and a little more mature um, in the junior high, they started becoming raps, and. Um, it just kind of took over my life, and now I'm where I'm at. Um, but I do I do owe my grandma credit for that. Um, she gave me a lot of great advice. She had a lot of great insight, a lot of good stories, and um, I was blessed to have her in my life. 
it's such a, a rich backstory. You know, I, I've spoken to quite a few rappers, both in nerdcore and outside of it, and just a bunch of musicians. And this, this, this is one of the more interesting backstories. Of course, I, you know, I'm a little older than you, I'm guessing, and I, uh, I didn't grow up watching Felix the Cat, but when I was old enough to watch it, I definitely did, and I remember those old cartoons and Betty Boop and all that. And so, yeah, it's a very cool music connection to have. Um, I'm guessing ultimately that's why you chose Felix as your kind of mascot for, for, for rapping as well as towards your, your name for rapping. I noticed that on your 2014 album, you were Felix. Um, and then, but on all of your new works, you've just been a bag of tricks cat. Does that have anything to do with copyright or is it just, you decided to make a change? Um, it was actually, I started off with a whole different name when I started rapping. And Mm then, um, Things didn't work out with uh, the producers I was working with, the engineers I was working with. Um, came into the scene with a with a whole different name. I, I started doing shows and recording when I was like 16, and that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with Felix. Gotcha. And then um, 2011, um, I started implementing it, and all the way up until 2014, it was Felix the Bag of Tricks Cat. Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, end of last year, I, I kind of just shortened it to Bag of Tricks Cat um, with, you know, me ha- keeping in mind that everybody called Notorious B.I.G. Biggie, you right. know, so people could people could call me Felix even though my name's Bag of Tricks Cat. Um, Got it. So that that's why that's why it's like that, but yeah. Awesome. And so I know that you have an album that you're working on that's supposed to be coming out towards the summer and you've released some singles uh uh, and you're going to continue to release some singles and videos up until then. Are these singles and videos going to be on that record when it comes out, or are these separate projects? Yeah, these singles are going to be on the album. Um, so far, two have been released. The first one, Dream Girl with Mega Ran. Uh, the second one, uh, Never Sober with uh, Bizarre from D12. And then um, this third record is going to come out early 2016. Mm-hmm. Um the single might drop in January. It might be February. It's going to be one of the first two months. And then, um, yeah, the album is supposed to come out here at the end of spring, and that's called Cats Out the Bag. Nice. And so are you still in the process of writing for that album, or are you up to the production stuff? Where where in the process are you with that record? Um, all the songs are written. Um, I got maybe one or two more to record. And then the rest just need to be mixed and uh, mastered, and everything is good to go. Um, there might be a couple things with production, like you know arrangement and adding instruments and and things like that to some of the mixes. But um, as far as lyrics, uh, everything's pretty much done. And when you're uh, when you're writing a song like this, do you find that? the lyrics come to you on their own? Do you kind of work on with producers to produce a beat first and then put lyrics to it? How does your kind of writing process go? Um, it varies, but typically what happens is um, I'll, I'll hear an instrumental. I'll hear a beat that the uh, producer has, and um, I really just go off of the way it makes me feel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll have something in mind, like where I'll be like, you know, I, I have this dope idea. I really want to talk about this. And, you know, I'll I'll search through, you know, some of the producers I work with, their library, and find a beat that fits that certain tone of of the subject that I'm going to be talking about. 
But for the most part, I, I listen to beats and I, you know, I say, okay, I really like the way these sound. And uh, when I go and I sit down to them, whatever, you know, I'm feeling or, or the beat makes me feel at the time is what comes out. Awesome. It sounds like a very fluid and kind of emotional writing process. You kind of see where you're at and where you're feeling, and that kind of affects where the, the work is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And and music has to be that way. Sure. You know, you can't, you can't just, you know, go in a studio and say, this is going to be a radio record and I'll write a radio record. Right. You know, they just come, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I've always, you know, just taken the time to really listen and, and tap into, you know, how I'm feeling and and not only rap about my experiences, but the experiences of those around me. Sure. That's a good way to be. Um, I guess my next question will be, I've listened to, I, I loved your second record, The Cat That Never Came Down, um, and I loved the singles you released so far. Again, my connection to it was through Mega Ranks. I know you guys were on tour recently. Um, I was sure. curious how you ended up hooking up with Mega Ran. How did that collaboration happen? Okay. Well, I've known Mega for, for several years. Um, I was actually a Mega Ran fan before we started working together. And LJ Beats uh, is one of my main producers. Um, he also directed uh, both of these recent videos. Mm-hmm. And he's also my DJ. And he went on tour with Mega with his band, The Low Classics. Um, mm-hmm. The band that was with um, Mega Rander and the Megalomania. Um, sure. So right, so right around that time, a little before then, um, he was hooking up with Mega, and I heard about him. I said, "Hey, man, I really want to get Mega on a record. You know, um, I have this one in mind. Can you shoot me his email?" He was like, "Sure, here's his email." I sent him an email. He was like, "Yo, record's dope. Like, let, let's link up." And so uh, we linked up over at the studio I record at which is my cousin's, uh, it's called HKS. And um, he came by and we laid down the first track we ever did together called Friends. Mm-hmm. And that came out in um, early 2013. So something like that. I think it was mm-hmm. like May of 2013 it came out. And um, we did that record together. We got a great response. It was actually the first record that I ever put out that got on FM radio and stuff. Nice. And so we got a really great response. And then um, we worked on some other stuff together. Like he featured me on, you know, some of his tracks, and I featured him on a couple more of mine. And then um, I was working on the new album, and I was working on the first single, Dream Girl, which he's on. And um, he came down to the video shoot, and, and at the video shoot, he was like, yo, so just nonchalantly, you know, I'm I'm going to be heading to the UK and stuff for this tour. And I was like, oh, that's dope, man. That's what's up. And then he's just like, yo, so you want to roll with me? And I was like, yeah. You know, like, what, what are you going to say to that? You know? Sure. <laughs> so I sure. um, ended up just getting everything together. Um, we ended up going to on, on the road in the UK. We recorded a whole project out there, which is the Emerald Knights mm-hmm. uh, project. And then uh, we came home, we finished up the mixing and mastering of it, and then we hit the road again, and we did uh, the Northwest, U.S., and Canada. And, um, you know, then he dropped R&DM and has been killing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it it was it was really cool as someone who I always first of all what I love about the nerdcore community specifically and most indie rap in general is that the community is so tight knit so when you like one artist you're bound to find others that you like and that's pretty much how I discovered everybody I started in one place and then saw that one this one artist worked with eight other artists and like well I'll go check out those eight other artists it just kind of snowballs sure. from there. Um, but uh, it looks like that you guys had a blast in England. Was that your first time in the UK um, on tour? Yeah, it was my very first time. Mega uh, popped my tour in Cherry, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I, I owe a lot of credit to him, man. He he really um, has given me a lot of knowledge and, and really has been like a mentor and has guided me a lot through this journey the past couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate him. Do you have plans on going on a tour of your own at any point after the new record comes out? I do. Um, right after the record comes out, I'm planning to do a tour. Um, it's going to start with the U.S. I might hit the U.K. again. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely going to be a tour going down. Um, hopefully with Mega Ran again. Um, either way, he'll be involved at some point. But, um, yeah, there's definitely going to be another tour coming up this upcoming year. I would love to hear a little bit about um, the the music video for Dreamgirl, which which I love. I like that it starts with Megaran checking out somebody as they're walking by and getting knocked unconscious <laughs> and goes into a dream world. So was the concept something that you'd come up with independently, or was it a give and take between the two of you? Like, how did that whole concept for the video come together? Well, me and LJ Beats actually sat down and – we were um, coming up with ideas and brainstorming, and it started off as a as a different video. And then, you know, as we figured out the resources that we had and, and when we could shoot and everything, we slowly um, molded it into what it became. And then um, I pretty much just told LJ, I said, "Look, man, this is how I want the story to be." You know, because I had the I had the vision for the story and and how I wanted it to play out. Mm-hmm. And then what he did was he took my story and then he uh, wrote a treatment to it. And so that means that um, he word for word knew what's, what each scene was going to be. Um, he actually drew out what each scene was going to be. And then um, we filmed. It took about three days to film and about a month for him to edit. Wow. But uh, did you find that filming was easy, difficult? Um, filming's easy, you know, you're really just there all day and, um, it's really him like setting up lights and the team just running around and, and getting everything in order. And then you just chill until you're ready to, to go. And that's it. The only thing I sucked about it was it was hot because <laughs> we filmed it in the summer. So it it was getting pretty hot, especially out here in Arizona, man. Oh yes, I uh, my wife's family is from out there, so I've been to um, uh, Scottsdale a bunch. And uh, oh, okay. And it's it, it was we were there in November, and I was told that as hot as it was in November, that's nothing compared to what it's like in the summer. Oh no, November is perfect out here. Like <laughs> <laughs> right now is great. Um, so, have you always been out in Arizona? Um, is that where you grew up? Yes, sir. Born and raised. Do you find that it has a strong uh, music community there or even specifically a hip-hop community? 
Absolutely. Uh, it used to not, to be honest with you. Um, even when I first started getting in the scene, the, the music community was very poor. Um, the, but recently, a lot has been going on to um, to really lay a foundation for our culture. And um, we just, this, uh, this past weekend, we had the Arizona Hip Hop Festival. Um, I was one of the people that helped put it together. And um, we had over 120 acts performing all local hip-hop um, over at Comerica Theater uh, with Live Nation. And we had uh, about 4,000 people in attendance. And it was a 10-hour-long event. And uh, it, it was great. And uh, we throw shows all year long, and we get a great turnout. Um, average about 200 to, to 400 people per show. And uh, there's there's a rich culture that's that's growing here. It's not like obviously not like New York or Atlanta or Chicago, um, but those cities and those states have been around forever. You know, Arizona was the last state, you know, to to be made in in the U.S. So we're going to be the last to find our culture. <laughs> sure, but it sounds like it's really coming together, which is really awesome. You know. Oh yeah, the Southwest is on the rise. Absolutely. Um, next, I want to ask a little bit about Never Sober, which I love. Um, how did you – did the song exist before you linked up with Bizarre? Is that something that you then brought to him, or is it something you guys collaborated on together? Um, yeah, the song existed before Bizarre. It originally was just going to be me on the song, and um, I was going to write two or three verses on it and just lay it down like that. And then I was on Facebook one day. And it was the D12 World. Uh, you know the album D12 World? Sure, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, well, it was like the 11th anniversary of it or something like that. And um, I clicked on their page and, you know, I was looking through, you know, things they've done recently. And um, I ended up, you know, looking at what they've done recently solo. And um, I just, on the whim, I just said, you know what, I'm going to try to reach out to one of them. So I chose Bizarre. Um, and I reached out to Bizarre, and within an hour, he responded to me. Oh, wow. I was like, wow, you know. So um, I, I inquired about, you know, him popping on a record, and that happened to be the record that I was working on at the time. So um, I recorded a little rough uh, version of just one of my verses, and I sent it to him, and uh, he said, cool, he's with it. And then uh, he laid down his part a couple weeks later, sent it to me and then once I got that I said look man like you know I really want to make it a single but I can't make it a single unless um, I can get you for a video and so uh, he was like cool just you know book me out there for a show and then while I'm down there we'll do a video looking for a show out here uh, in September he came out he was out here about three days um, during that time, uh, he shot his scenes for the video. We went to the studio a little bit more. And, um, yeah, we had a good time. And then before you know it, he flies back home. And a couple of days later, I get a text from him. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm going to be out in Detroit with the rest of the group finishing up our mixtape, uh, which is the Devil's Night mixtape. Um, do you and LJ want to come out here? you have LJ shoot us a video and then we'll hop in the lab um, with the group. And so we went out there and 
LJ shot B12 a video, which is probably going to come out in the next couple of days. Um, and then I uh, did a record with uh, D12. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, a, it was amazing, man. It was a fun time because I grew up listening to them. Like I was sure. like in fourth, fifth grade listening to D12. So, um, you know, to be in the same room and, and in the studio working with cats that, you know, you've been listening to for, you know, 12 years is, is a bit of a surreal feeling, man. Sure. I imagine. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult when you meet your influences or people who like you feel made you who you are because you never know what they're going to be like. You never know. Being asked to record a record with someone who you consider an equal is like the highest paid compliment to your art. I guess you can get, you know, because they obviously think so highly of you that they want you to be a part of what they're working on, which is great. Yeah. It it was incredible, man. Uh, Definitely a highlight in not only my career, but my life in general. (laughs) Um, well, you got a long way to go, I think it's safe to say, so hopefully there'll be plenty more highlights. Um, my next question is, while we're talking about D12 and their impact on your music, um, who would you say your biggest hip-hop influences are, or even any influences outside of hip-hop that affected how you write and record music? Um, influences outside of hip-hop, um, the Beatles, uh, Stevie Wonder, um, Anthony Hamilton, um, who else? Who else? Um, even like Frank Sinatra, like I, sure. I dig, I dig all that man. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm mainly a hip hop head. Um, my biggest influences in hip hop um, were like Nas, Tupac, Eminem, Jay Z, um, The Roots. Um, all those cats are, are cats that I really looked up to. That's excellent. Um, and uh, you've been listening to hip-hop for a long time. Is hip-hop the, the first genre of music you kind of got into, and then you started listening to stuff outside it, or was it something you came to after? Um, I was listening to, like, old-school rock. Um, I was listening to, like, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Doors and things like that. And then um, right around the time um, Eminem's first album came out, the Social LP, I, re- I remember hearing my name is on the radio and I was maybe like six, seven years old. And uh, my mom, I told my mom I liked the song and we went to FYE. <laughs> I don't think it was even called FYE back then. It was called something else. And um, we went there and she bought it for me on cassette. And the explicit version too, and she, nice. just, she she just told me, she said, you know, you're going to hear things on here, you know, that um, aren't true. Like when you when you watch a movie and you see, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a robot killing people, like Eminem's doing the same thing. You know, it's it's not real. And that was what I was told. And, you know, I, I started getting into it then. And then by the time I was like nine, ten, like I was I was really into it. Sounds like your mother is a smart lady, you know, allowing you to hear that stuff at a young age, but explaining to you what it really, you know, what it means and how to take it. And it's not just like that this stuff may not necessarily be okay, but, but you should, you know, if it inspires you, you should listen to it, which I think is, is, is really cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. My, I was raised to, I wasn't sheltered, you know, right. like I was, I was told, you know, 
the good, the bad, the ugly, and I was given uh, I was given freedom to decide for myself on a lot of things. So um, I'm very thankful for that. So now we're gonna shift gears a little bit and ask you know some hard hitting questions. Um, I hear a rumor through Facebook that you're a gamer and that you like video games. <laughs> I I do like video games, man. I've I've recently started getting into them again. There was a long period of time where I played video games all the time, like um, from a kid all the way up until uh, end of high school. And then when I started college, um, I really stopped playing a whole lot. And then up until a couple months ago, like I I just, you know, was MIA from video games. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm I'm starting to get back into it a little bit, man. I can't lie. So um, what would you say your favorite game was growing up that you liked playing? Oh, what console? I mean, uh, we're talking... With, in, let's start start with Nintendo. What's what's favorite Nintendo title? Okay, well, on Game Boy, uh, it would have had to have been Pokemon Yellow. Nice. But on, on N64, it would have had to have been... Uh, oh, man, it's a cross between Mario 64, Super Smash Bros., and Pokemon Snap. Those those titles brought me much joy. <laughs> yeah, I grew up a, a big, big fan of Nintendo. I didn't get into Sega or uh, PlayStation until much later. I was, I was a Nintendo fanboy, and for me, it was Mega Man. Mega Man and, and Metroid were the two games where, like, I wanted to be some dude or some chick with a gun and just blast shit. Like, that was, that was, <laughs> that was what I was into. Um, are there any games you're looking forward to now that you're starting to get back into it? I know you just got a PS4, and as I recall, Battlefront. Um, yeah, there... I'm, yeah, I'm playing Battlefront right now. Um, I am looking to play uh, Fallout 4. Um, I, I really like the concept and the and the post-apocalyptic whole theme of it. I think that's dope. Um, I love uh, Mario games, so I have a I have a Wii U, and nice. I've been playing. Uh, you know Mario Land 3D, and I want to play uh, the uh, the new Yoshi's World where he's like yarn. <laughs> I think that, I think that one's cool. And uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm really yeah. really looking forward to that man because I I was Team PlayStation a lot growing up, and uh, Final Fantasy VII was the one. So I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. Uh, firstly, as someone who owns a PS4 and has been playing a lot of Fallout 4, I promise you, you will like it. It uh, has sucked me in pretty hard. I don't have a lot of hours <laughs> to play every night, but pretty much when I get home from work, any hours I can sink into it, I do. Um, yeah. And as far as the Final Fantasy VII remake, Final Fantasy VII is the game that got me into RPGs. I got into RPGs very late. I started with seven, and then I went back and discovered games like Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG and all of those awesome games. But Final Fantasy sure. VII was one of those games where I saw it as a kid, and I'm like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this before. Oh, um, when it came out, the graphics and the story were, like, you know, ridiculous for the time. Sure. Going back and playing it now, though, I have to admit, is almost laughable a little bit. Um, I got They re-released it on Steam uh, for the PC. And so I bought it, and I'm playing it, and the, the, the graphics for the background when you're actually running around, as a kid, I remember it being pretty hard to find items and chests and stuff. Now, because of the different coloration of the chest versus the background, like, everything stands out like a short thumb in high res. 
So I'm like, yeah. wow, like you can see everything. But it's you're right, it was. I mean, the 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 FMV movies of uh, the fight scenes and all the battles and the action was unlike anything that I couple. Yeah, it was it was totally ahead of its time. Um, so obviously we've, uh, found out that you do enjoy gaming in your downtime. Do you have any other hobbies that you're really into when you're not working on music or touring? Um, I mean, I mainly do what I love, man. Like if I wasn't making music as a profession, I'd probably do it as a hobby. Um, but I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I I like to, I like to partake in, uh, into herbal, um, goodness, and um, I love movies. I'm, I'm a big movie buff, man. I, I love going to the movies. I love watching movies, um, from classics like black and white films to you know Stanley Kubrick. Nice. Um, you know, just love film, man. Do you have a particularly uh, number one favorite film that stands out? Is there one that you could pick, or a few different films that you could pick as your favorite? I couldn't. Pick a number one. I can give you a couple of, of ones that I really enjoy, and, and that's like uh, I love um, I love A Clockwork Orange. Of course, I love sure. uh, I love The Goodfellas. I love um, uh, what's Ian Gilbert great? Um, I love Eight Mile, as stereotypical as it is. Sure. Um, there's just so many movies, man, from horror, sci-fi, action, drama. I love it all. So there are no genres you don't like? You'll watch just about anything? I'll just watch about anything, man, even foreign films. I love foreign films, too. Right. Would you say that your love of, of film affects your uh, writing style, say uh, strengthens the narrative you write? Absolutely, because when I write a song, um, there's a lot of songs I do write that I don't come out with. And um, the reason being is I like the songs that I release. Even if I don't make a music video to it, I want to have an idea of what the music video would be like. Mm-hmm. And if I can't envision what the visual would be like, it's it's not good to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely plays a big influence of it. Um, I'm actually working on something with um, LJ um, to where... Because typically what we do is I'll get the song, you know, finished up and write it. And then they'll, you know, we'll decide what we're going to do for the video. But right now I want to play around with um, LJ deciding what the video is going to be. So have, you know, scene by scene what he wants to do. And then I'll write the song according to that. So, yeah, visuals take a, a big a big part in what I do. That's an awesome concept, the idea of creating this narrative first. It's almost like creating a soundtrack for a movie. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. On a smaller scale, but, you know, for an individual video, but it's still the same concept of creating music and lyrics that complement visuals that would already exist. I think that's, that's a really neat idea. Yeah. that's uh, So, yeah, visuals are, are huge, man. And as you can see from, from the last, you know, couple videos, I like to make them as cinematic as uh, as I can afford. <laughs> sure. Well, I feel like there's a lacking of that. Now that, like, MTV and VH1 kind of barely exist, um, music videos are relegated to YouTube, which, of course, is on the rise in popularity. 
um, you know, there are so many channels now that, and with subscriptions and people making their money off of YouTube, like there's a market for it. But it's nice to see people who put production value in their videos. Like what I like about Dream Girl so much is you're an indie rapper from Arizona and, you know, you've toured and you've wrote some records and you've put out music, but you're, you treat, you treat your music video like it's, it's a production. You don't just shoot yourself standing in a lot doing nothing and just rapping the song. Which yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but you you put uh, uh, you know care and production into the video, which I appreciate as a fan. Yeah, well, you know, you want to make it not boring. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like I, I feel like if you're just standing somewhere rapping, it, it's just gonna get really boring really fast. And um, I'm not okay with that, man. I'm not okay with mediocre. Um, if it, if it's gonna be something mediocre that anybody could do, I'd rather just not put it out. <laughs> You know? that, that leads to my next question. Do you feel that you're harder on yourself during the writing process? Like, have you ever, I imagine you have a backlog of songs that you've never released. You said earlier that there's a bunch of stuff that you haven't. Um, do you find that you're your harshest critic and that, like, if you if it doesn't meet certain standards, you'll just shelf it? Yeah, absolutely. I am a very, very harsh critic on uh, my own writing. Um, you know, I'll, I'll write the song. I'll show, like, my girlfriend. I'll show... Um, my cousin, who's my engineer, I'll show, you know, a couple cats that, you know, opinions, you know, I'll take into consideration. And sometimes I'll be like, yo, this is so dope. Like, and I'll just, I just won't be feeling it. Right. You know, I just won't be feeling it. And even though everybody else is digging it, it, it doesn't meet my standard. But when, you know, it meets my standard and theirs, that's when I know, like, okay, this is, this is one that I got to invest to because to me, every, every song I write is an investment. Um, I'm not only investing my time into it, but also investing uh, my money and my future into it. And, you know, if it's something that I feel like, you know, is, is too average or, you know, is too simple or something that's been done before, you know, I, I just rather would not release it. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely a harsh critic on myself, absolutely. Have you ever found when you were in the process of trying to write something um, that you kind of beat your head against the wall to no end and had to, like, shelf something incomplete because you just couldn't finish it for whatever reason, you couldn't get, get through the writing process on that song? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, everybody has their bad days, you know, and, and writing is something that's... Um, it's a really a mental thing on, on where you're at. And if you don't know, if, if you're just not in the right mode and you're not in the right zone and then you stop writing and then you go back to it and then it's not as fluent as it was, like I just end up throwing it away. Um, but yeah, there's, there's tons of bag of tricks, cat songs that have never seen the day of light. Um, or the light of day, my bad. All right. To see exactly, man, writing, you know. Um, but um, yeah, man, there, there's a lot of unreleased stuff. Um, is there any? You talk about being influenced earlier by things outside of hip hop, even though you're mostly a hip hop head. Um, would there ever be a desire for you to branch out into other genres? Do you have any interest in learning to play? a bunch of instruments or putting together some kind of other act besides Bag of Tricks Cat that you do something in a different genre? Um, I can't really sing. I'm really not gifted with singing. That's why I put singers <laughs> on my choruses. 
Um, I originally kind of wanted to sing because of my grandma. Um, just sure. didn't work out. <laughs> just didn't work out, so I did the next best thing. Um, the only thing I would say that I'd be interested in doing is production, uh, making instrumentals, making beats, um, you know, playing the piano and learning the keys, things like that. Um, I've tried before in the past, um, just haven't had enough time to be able to dedicate the time required um, to to give to that. So um, maybe one day uh, I'll end up doing something like that. But um, as of right now, I, I really like songwriting. I really like song arranging. Um, I also know how to engineer. I went to school for engineering. Um, so that's that's another thing I do. It's definitely a useful skill to have in engineering so you can kind of have a background on what you're working towards. You don't have to completely fall to the whim of the, of the producer. Regardless of who you're working with, you have an idea of that kind of stuff, which I think is always helpful when, when writing and recording music. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I know that you have your new album mostly done. You're working on, you know, finishing up the writing process for it and, and, and all of that, as we were talking earlier. Is there some big, greater concept for this record? Have you wrote any tracks that you feel are super personal, more personal than anything you've done before? You know, where does that, that, that new record lie emotionally, do you feel? Um, well, the record really is a stamp in time between um, October 2014 and to the point of it being released. Um, I really look at each project as a whole like a chapter mm -hmm. um, in my life. And so my last record, The Cat That Never Came Down, was really um, from October 2013 to October 2014. And, and I went through a lot um, during that time. And so you can hear that on uh, on those records and you, you get an idea of um, of what I went through and, and what was going on through my head. Um, and this time around, um, it's really just about what's been going on. And um, the greater concept of it is um, the cat's out the bag. It's, uh, you know, it's like my first full LP um, mm -hmm. that I'm releasing. And um, it's like letting you know that I'm here, you know, and I'm here to stay. And um, I'm really excited for it. Really excited for it. There's a lot of uh, records that I put a lot of thought into. Um, there's some records on there that are personal. Um, there's some records on there that are just fun. Um, because honestly, I've had a lot of fun the past year. Um, so, um, I think that there's a nice variety, um, on this project that everybody's going to enjoy. Do you find that the, and we, we tackled this a little bit earlier, but do you find the fun songs come easier to you or the emotional songs, or is it kind of six to one half dozen another? Um, Lately, I go through phases. You know, when I'm having fun, the fun songs come easier. <laughs> you know, oh, sure, well, of course. What, when I'm having a tough time, the, the deeper songs come easier. Uh, my last project, The Cat That Never Came Down, there's not really any fun songs on there because I wasn't really having any fun at the time. Um, but um, it, it came out dope. This time around, there's there's definitely more of a variety and the, and there's more diversity in the songs. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked for it. It sounds like that you take the writing process very kind of – you bring in what's around you. You take it very personally, and you 
you mold it based on what you're experiencing. You're not someone who's going to write a song about, you know, some guy you've never met or if you're going to do that, it's how you relate that story to yourself. It's always going to yeah. be kind of a personal spin, which I think is very interesting. Not, I don't feel like a lot of indie rappers these days, with the exception of uh, of a handful, uh, really take that personal edge. You know, uh, there are a lot of artists who kind of just want to talk big and, 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 and throw down a lot of either aggressive stuff or put out a lot of stuff that just is kind of a poor reflection on the community. Not a lot of rappers feel like they can be emotional or 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 be um, inward looking for a record. So I think it's refreshing to hear that you're writing that way because I think that's the direction hip hop needs to to go in to really kind of get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the best rappers of all time, the best musicians of all time—not even rappers, just the best musicians of all time—always did it. You know, like. When you hear Tupac, like, he, to me, is the most emotional rapper, like, to ever do it. Because when when he is in the booth and, and you hear the songs, like, you really can hear in his voice how he felt. And he's not rapping to you. He's not reading lyrics to you. He's speaking to you. Sure. And um, when I go and I record, I'd always try to, to speak you know, I don't like to read it off the paper. I like to have my words memorized, and I like to speak it and and give it the, the proper emotion um, because the big thing about music and recording is you have to not only tell the story with your, ver- with your words and your verbiage, but you also have to tell the story with your voice. And, um, you know, if if you sound all aggressive on a happy record, you know, that doesn't quite fit the sure. tone, you know, like if I would have started rapping like DMX on Dream Girl, it, it wouldn't have worked. You know what I'm saying? So um, your your tone also has a lot to do with it. And I feel like the only way to to really get that and, and to hone that is to mean what you're saying. You have to truly mean what, what you're speaking. And so I always tend to keep it as personal as I can. Um, on a record. Um, we've touched on your, your inspirations and your favorite artists. Would you be able, we did this with movies, I'm curious with music, could you narrow down your top three or four favorite records of all time? Is that a thing you can even do, or is there too many to, oh, yeah. to count? Oh, yeah. The, um, my favorite album of all time is uh, Tupac, Me Against the World, um, followed by The Eminem Show, um, followed by Illmatic, and then um oh, that fourth spot. Um I might have to go with it's uh it's a newer project. Um The Roots, how I got over. It's a great record. Roots are the Roots are a great band and, and a band that I didn't really know a ton about until the recent couple of years and, and I went back and dove through their stuff and I'm like, This is incredible, you know? They just they're they're unlike anything else that's out there. They're doing they're doing something wholly original. Yeah, if I could rap as good as like Black Thought, like a third of as good as Black Thought is, like I'll you know, I'll feel accomplished. There you go. Well let's let's why don't you work towards rapping with Black Thought? You could do that too. Yeah. yeah. You made it happen yeah, with twelve. Who knows what's next? <laughs> yeah, you never know, man. Um 
So uh, I, I want to thank you again for taking the time to do this interview. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad that we connected online after um, after I befriended Megaran, um, and I appreciate you reaching out. Um, is there anything, obviously, you have the new record coming out in the summer, but is there anything else coming out more uh, in the near nearer future that you want to promote or anywhere you want to push people to check out? Yeah. Um, early 2016, like I said, January or February, um, not quite sure on the release date yet. It's going to be the third single. Um, it's called For the Culture. Um, there will be a music video, and it's going to be the last single that comes out before um, the project comes out. And, um, yeah, that's that's really it. You know, I, I have a lot of music already out um, that that's free to download. Um, so you could go check that out. And, um, yeah, just be on the lookout, man. Is there any one piece of wisdom you would give to another artist, musician, rapper coming up that you didn't really have when you first started? Um, there's a lot of advice I'd give, but the the one thing these kind of tie in together. Um, first is be realistic. You know, um, the first record you come out with isn't going to be a billboard hot 100 hit. You know what I'm saying? You have, you have to be realistic. And in order to be realistic, you know, if let's say you say, you know what, if I get a, a thousand streams on this song in a month, you know, that's, that's a realistic goal to me. You know what I'm saying? For, for an artist sure. that's just coming out, you know, is going to release their first record, Get a thousand streams in a month, you know, or two weeks, you know what I'm saying? Set a goal, set a, set a, set a time period. Um, and number, number two, invest, invest in yourself, not only with time because time, like you need all the time in the world. I, I sacrificed a lot of time to do this music stuff with, with friends, with family, you know, some people are mad at me you know, to this day because I, I don't get to spend time with them like I used to. Um, so invest your time and invest your money into yourself. Um, you know, the the analogy I always use is think of um think of how much money it costs to start a small mom and pop restaurant. You know, you have to lease the building. You have to, you know, get the all the equipment for the kitchen. You have to furnish it. You have to get the food for the kitchen. You have to staff it, get a logo. You have to get the utensils, the plates, the cups, a liquor license. You have to get all these things. So to, to a small mom and pop restaurant is going to cost well over a hundred grand to to open up. So if you think a rap career is going to cost you any less or be any easier, you're not being realistic. Mm. So, you know, be be realistic and invest in yourself. Um, because that's the only way, you know, you're going to see results. I think that's very smart and, and concise advice. I mean, you know, it, it's ultimately got to come to being about you and being about what you can do. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's that's very good good advice. Well, Felix, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, this will go up in about two weeks. I'll be sure to shoot you the link once it's out. Um, but I really do appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem, Matt. Thank you for reaching out to me, man. Anytime, you know, I'm always down. Well, we'll have to do a follow-up in 2016 after the record's out so we can chat about it. 
Absolutely, sir. All right. Take care of yourself. Uh, are you on are you on the PSN network? We added I, each other. Cyrus uh Cyrus six six six. Yep, that's me. Got you. Okay, so we, yeah, we'll hook up on once I pick up Battlefront. I'm trying to get through Fallout first. Once I pick up Battlefront, then uh, then then it'll be on because I'm a okay. I'm an Empire guy through and through. So we're gonna <laughs> same, same here. I'm I'm oh, not nice. part of the I'm not part of the rebellion. I'm the dark side. It got me. Yeah, it got me too. All right, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. I'll talk to you later. All right, Matt. Have a good one. You too. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.